Miracy. This was from Dr. Leroy Olson out of Temple University in Philadelphia. And he said, every day represents a new opportunity to enhance the life of another individual. And that includes ourselves also. And I believe that empathy is the foundation of enhancing those relationships. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped more than 70,000 coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where my guests and I discuss challenging conversations we face with our coaching clients, but also the need to take a deeper look into difficult issues we might have to deal with ourselves as coaches, as well as within our businesses. If you think you're hearing the word empathy everywhere, you are right. It is on the lips of scientists, business leaders, education experts, and coaches. And maybe you're wondering if you're empathic enough in your coaching sessions, or do you find it difficult to comprehend what it even is? Or is it that you are one of those folks that think, you know, it's an ability that you're born with and it can't be developed? Well, we're going to get into all of that in this episode. Because we can cultivate empathy throughout our lives and use it as a radical force for transformation. I'm going to talk to somebody today that's going to clarify what empathy is and how to develop it. I've invited Donnie Landefeld to the show today. Donnie serves mid-level and senior business leaders who want to develop and level up their performance and well-being. She's a certified personal and executive coach, certified in positive intelligence, and certified to use emotional intelligence assessments. Empathy is her specialty and superpower. Welcome, Donnie. Melinda, hi. It's so wonderful to be with you again. I'm so excited that we get to do this and have this conversation, and I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. And you know, empathy is such an important topic to talk about. But first, before we get into all that, would you just share a little bit of your background with our listeners? Sure, be happy to. So I'm originally from Pennsylvania, moved to Florida almost 20 years ago. And back before I started my coaching business, I was working in higher education institutions, started out in student services, worked my way up to academic dean. And um I always enjoyed working with leaders, my faculty, my staff, and and really helping to bring out the best in them and was doing something called coaching before we really even knew what what the concept was. So moved down to Florida in early 2000s. And after I had finished up some doctoral work, went to College of Executive Coaching to get my coach training and about a year later started my coaching practice. So now, Donnie, you work with both positive intelligence and emotional intelligence. I said that as I was kind of introducing you. Could you talk just a little bit about that? What what is each of those and what's the difference? Sure. Well, there is a little bit of overlap between the two. What I love about positive intelligence is it goes to the root cause to how we can kind of hold ourselves back or in that world, in the PQ, positive intelligence world, how we sabotage ourselves. The interesting little catch is these things called saboteurs also happen to be our subverted strengths that we just tend to overuse or abuse. 
So positive intelligence shows us how to recalibrate and leverage different skills so they're truly serving us instead of sabotaging. So I like to start out with that as a foundation first because it clears out a lot of the cobwebs and the gremlins for the ways that we can just kind of trip ourselves up. And then after we've done some of the PQ work, I like to sprinkle in emotional intelligence, which is the self-awareness, the self-regulation, and also the emotional awareness of others and leveraging our relationships so they're healthy, thriving, and we're influential and, and showing up very powerfully in the world. So I like to say PQ plus EQ equals the new you. I love that. PQ plus EQ equals, what'd you say? The new you? The new you, yes. That is really, okay, that's super fun. That's my takeaway already. So now the whole topic of this episode is empathy work and coaching, right? So when we look at those two things, and then I think about empathy, like that's a big word, it's a powerful world. It's getting a lot of attention. I think it is underutilized as a skill, especially with coaches. Can you talk about what is empathy? Sure. Well, you did hit the nail on the head, Melinda, because empathy is definitely underutilized and it's also misunderstood. It's commonly confused with sympathy. So I'd like if we can kind of deconstruct and, and differentiate, if you will. So empathy is all about understanding and connecting with others. And I think Brene Brown does a really excellent job of explaining empathy and has written about it in, in many of her books. She takes it a step farther to say that empathy is understanding and connecting to the particular emotions around an experience. And so that's really important to emphasize that part. It's feeling with someone, not feeling for them. And that's where empathy can become blurred with sympathy. So sympathy often involves pity of another person. And well, pity can be insulting because it implies that we're one up in some way. So empathy doesn't involve pity. And then also sympathy implies that we agree with, for example, that we're in sympathy with another person's position or that we might feel the same feelings. Whereas empathy is about showing that we simply care about another's position. It doesn't mean that we need to agree with it. And that's another important piece because suspending judgment is so critical when it comes to empathy. It's not agreeing that someone's viewpoint is good, bad, indifferent. And certainly we don't want to discount feelings in any way. That's the important part. I'm taking notes and could not write fast enough. I really liked what you said earlier. We may not agree with it. I might have a very different opinion about a certain experience or situation. And that's where I bring in what I call with my clients, massive compassion. And that phrase has helped me keep my boundaries to have massive compassion for them. So talk about compassion and empathy. It's interesting because I actually believe that compassion is an empathic concern. It's really showing that you care and you're concerned about someone and, and holding that safe container that is empathy, so we can be vulnerable with our clients. And so we can also model to them how they can be vulnerable and empathic with others in their lives. Because let's face it, a lot of our clients 
might be missing the mark with empathy and how they use it at home, work, and basically their sphere of influence. So I do think showing that empathic concern, that compassion is something that's, that's so important. And yet to maintain the boundary that we're not going to fully buy into the story, let's just connect to the emotion about their story. What would that sound like with a client? Can you give a scenario or an example? Mm -hmm. Sure. So let's say, for instance, that a client comes to me in a coaching session and they've just been laid off or they've lost their job for some reason. And of course, there's all kinds of emotions swirling around and, and they might be scared, they might be disappointed, they might be agitated, and they go into that blame, that victim mentality. You know, woe is me. Why did this happen? And of course, we want to connect to that emotion with them. We need to work through that emotion before we can move to a higher level on that emotional ladder and, and help to really bring them out of that, that dark place. But it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to buy into the woe is me story. Oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been laid off because of, of this attribute or that attribute. I didn't get the project done on time or I missed the mark in some way. We're not going to buy into that piece. We're going to connect to the emotion. And then we're maybe going to apply what I call the three R's of cycling through important things to do in a conversation to be fully empathic and help to move them to a more desirable state so we can get that forward momentum and really get something out of that coaching session. Next steps. I really want to unpack that because that um, you said a phrase there. You talked about going higher on the emotional ladder. I know in my early coaching days, before I really began to break down all of this and understand what was actually happening, you know, I, I'd be in a situation or be part of a situation and something, I'll just say something bad would happen. And uh, there'd be somebody standing there and they'd be like, oh, just, and they'd go straight for the silver lining. And the other person that this experience was happening to, it's like they just wanted to punch him in the face. And I didn't understand. And I could feel it too. It's like, wait, you can't go there. And then I understood, oh, it's too big of a leap. You can't just go there. And there's the emotional ladder. And, and like you said, just move to a more desirable emotion or feeling because then there's momentum. And then you can, now you're consciously choosing. And I remember um, there was a situation where, and I don't remember the exact sequence, but jealousy was a big one. It's like, okay, well, how can we go from jealousy to um, disappointment? And it's like, why would I ever want to be disappointed? Like, that's not the state I want to, it's like, oh, but wait, I have to move up that emotional ladder. So I love that you brought up the emotional ladder. Now you also said something, you talked about the three R's, but you didn't get into those. Can you tell us what those are and say more about that? Sure. Absolutely. So there is no cookie cutter approach to responding to someone um, and being empathic. However, there are certain things that we can do that typically will work out pretty favorably in, in a positive way. So it's really first, first and foremost, important to start with reading others. And this is where deep active listening comes in. This is gathering all the facts, being really curious, asking questions, and it's also listening at a level that is beyond our concerns, our needs. When we're listening to our clients or, or anyone for that matter, we want to listen at their level. 
So one of the things that I just remind myself and I, and I use with my clients too, is that if we rearrange the letters, listen, we can come up with the word silent. So that is one of the most important things to do when it comes to listening to others is to be silent. Maybe ask some questions here and there. Um, also suspending that judgment. And there's a great quote. There's, there's actually a great YouTube video, video out there called Knowing is the Enemy of Learning. And I like to use this for this first level of read because we are not coming into this situation thinking we have any answers yet. We are simply gathering facts and information. We're being quiet. So that's the first level. That's reading. You want me to keep going into the other one? Yes, keep going. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So then the second R is relate. And this step might involve using some more silence, maybe asking another question here. There are very powerful questions to extract some more meaning. We might also use some body language, like maybe a smile if it's appropriate, maybe a hug. That one could be dangerous, though. We've got to do some exploring. Or it could be simply leaning in to listen more, to really show that we're tuned in to that other person. Also, mirroring the other person's body language could be helpful at this step. And then there's another little little thing that I like to apply here for this step. I call it the platinum rule. And it's really seeking to find out what matters to the other person. It goes better than that golden rule that we've all been taught mostly when we were kids, uh, you know, do unto others as they would do unto us. No, that one doesn't apply here. Instead, we use the platinum rule, which is treat others as they want to be treated. And then finally, Melinda, we go into the third R, which is respond. This one might take a little bit more practicing, but, you know, doing things messy at first can be okay. So this is simply relating at a higher level. So after we've taken some opportunity to feel with the other person, with our client, it's now time to decide, is there more to learn? Or maybe the other person would like to share even more. So read, relate, and respond are the three R's that I like to use. There is no cookie cutter approach, and it definitely takes practice, but it's a start. I love that. I love the three R's. And when I think about just the big, broad concept of empathy, how does somebody, like it's, I don't believe that you're either born with it or you're not. I truly think it can be something developed. It's what the whole, I mean, coaching industry is built around that, I believe. A lot of us have those inherent skills, but through our coach training, we, you know, we exercise that. If somebody doesn't feel like they have this skill, how do they begin to, do they have to get it? Do they need to be trained in it? How do they exercise that muscle? Well, I think we never have to do anything. We get to do something because I think it makes us the stronger, better version of ourselves. First, we need to be, or it's helpful to be empathic towards ourselves. If we're going to be fully empathic towards someone else, We first need to develop that empathy for ourselves. This is a little difficult because most of us have been raised in cultures where it's reinforced to attend to the concern of others before ourselves. And and this even applies to empathy. But if we're going to be aware of and understand the emotions and needs of others, we first 
need to understand the emotions and feelings of ourselves. So I remember years ago, one of my very first coaches was actually working with me in overcoming some limiting beliefs and kind of that imposter syndrome. And one of the exercises she had me do was look in the mirror. And she said, I'm encouraging you to look in the mirror for about five or 10 minutes and just focus on all the different features of yourselves. And Melinda, I can't tell you how difficult this was when I first started doing this exercise to look in the mirror without, you know, and it's not getting ready for the day or anything. It's just simply being, simply looking in the mirror and focusing on uh, my hair or my eyes or eyelashes and just really developing stronger self-love and forgiveness and compassion for self. So it starts with having that empathy for ourselves to have that deep awareness, and then to have that, that feeling, that connection to our emotions. Once we've developed it in ourselves, it's so much easier to, to recognize in others and then feel and connect with them. I know for me, when I first learned, you know, earlier you were talking about the emotional ladder, and it's like, wait a minute, let me really dissect. And I had one of my mentors, she described it in a way that just, it landed with me and it has stuck with me ever since. And she talked about, you know, especially as women, I think the same is true for men. I haven't studied it as much, but for women, for sure, you know, our lives are like a piano. There's 88 keys and most of us play middle C only, that middle, that one key. Some of us, if we're lucky, we play chopsticks and we're like, "Woo, check out what I can do. And we play chopstick, which is only not even a, is it a full range of an octave? I don't even know if chopsticks covers an octave, but it's not much. But then you've got the 88 keys and it's like, wow. And when I began to look at that emotional ladder and really dissect and discern within myself, what does, like I was saying earlier, what does jealousy look like? What does rage look like? What does contentment look like? What does joy look like? What does peace look like? What is like all the different degrees of emotions. And I could research and discover what that felt like in me, what it, where it lives in my body, how I think when I'm experiencing that. It became such an incredible exercise. And I realized that I had so much more to create the symphony of life called Melinda's Life, that I could bring so much more. And when I could understand my 88 keys then I could see others and I could ask different questions as a coach. I could inquire differently to help them break beyond middle C or chopsticks and help them discover their 88 keys. And in a, a really cool exercise that I went through one time was with a situation. I would say, you know, if I wanted to respond in anger to this situation, what would that look like? Not that I would, but just kind of you know, talk it out, play it through. Or if I wanted to experience sheer joy, or if I wanted to experience love or whatever that was, I would just pick some with the same situation and I would describe how I would be, how I would think, how I would talk so I could understand that. And then I would do that exercise with my clients. When you were talking about the brainstorming and the respond section, it reminded me of that exercise. It's like, well, you've got the situation If you were to express anger, what would that look like? If you were to express happiness, if you were to express blame, if you were whatever, and then they're like, wait, I have a choice in what 
what I want this to look like. And it just, that language and that understanding to help them see their 88 keys, help them remember they didn't have to stay stuck on middle C. Right. Which is pretty wild because it just dawned on me, you're a musician, I'm a musician, and here I am, I'm using this. And that did not occur to me until just now. So that was kind of cool. I love that metaphor. I'm going to, I probably will borrow that. So I will sit down before a session and I'll do this periodically throughout the day too, and do what's called a PQ rep. And a PQ rep is basically any type, it's noticing a physical sensation It's getting out of our head and getting into our body. Because once we, when we're in our head, that's where all the little nasties are swirling around and we second guess and it's the what ifs and it's most of the things that never come to pass and it's worry and it's dread and it's fear and it's not being fully in the moment. And so dialing down that mind chatter to instead access the part of the brain where our thrive, where our sage lives a higher order executive functioning. This is being in the moment with our clients. This is casting aside anything else that could be blurring or fogging up our day and prevent us from fully showing up. So if I'm having a challenging day, one of those crappier days, you better believe I'm going to do more PQ rep sessions. It, It could be some breathing. I love to do the breathing sessions. Another favorite, and I think this is because I'm a musician, is I like to do the the audio type PQ rep sessions. And especially this time of year with all the birds, I love to listen to the different bird calls and I'll listen for one that's far away and then near and just, it's just getting out of my head. That helps to maintain those boundaries. It helps me to remember why I do this, to show up powerfully and just put on a shelf temporarily some of the other things that could be getting in the way. I love, I love the audio. I'm going to have to do that because in our backyard, especially this time of the year in the spring, it's like a bird sanctuary back there. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give that one a try. Some of my favorites are the shaking. You've been to my events, you know, yep. the shaking. That's another great quick one. I do that before any presentation just to move my energy. And then of course, uh, my famous dance breaks, just always get out of your head, get into your body and dance and shake and move. Um, but it's important to maintain boundaries. And I love what you said to help remember why we do this. And that's what I have continued to find. It's all about them, my clients. When I can put them at the forefront, when they are my beacon, it helps me to navigate my crap so much more easily because I'm so dedicated to what do I need to do to show up powerfully for them? Because whatever that is, I'm going to do it. Uh, Even if it's hard or uncomfortable or not easy, I'm going to do it because I want to show up powerfully for them because they deserve it. And they need it. And that's where, that's where I get to be my best and bring my best. Now, Donna, you've got a beautiful gift for our listeners that they can download. Can you share with them what that is? Sure. Be happy to. So I created a little empathy checklist. And I just want to remind everyone that this is not a step-by-step cookie-cutter approach that we're going to use with everyone all the time. It's merely five questions we can kind of cycle through and ask ourselves to make sure that we are, first of all, listening at a a level of the other person and beyond our own interest and agenda. And then are we summarizing and paraphrasing what what our clients have shared with us? We want to make sure we're understanding the whole big picture. 
And then the, the third step is all about, well, if it's, if it's our time to speak, have we really tapped into the other person's thoughts and feelings? And then are we suspending our judgment? And then finally, what kind of body language are we using? Are we mirroring? Are we leaning in? Um, what might be appropriate there? So the empathy checklist is a little bit of a, it's an overview. It's deconstructing what empathy is. And then really five different questions that our coaches can ask themselves to make sure they are fully in tune with the other person, asking powerful questions and understanding and connecting with the emotion of their clients. I love it. Beautiful. Well, we have, you have packed in a lot in this conversation and I just want to do a little summary. Uh, We started out by talking about the distinctions between positive intelligence and emotional intelligence, where positive intelligence kind of gets to the root cause of what holds us back and emotional intelligence being about that self-awareness. And I loved the formula, PQ plus EQ equals the new you. That, I cannot wait to see where I'm going to use that one. That one's fun. And then you gave some really incredible insight and definitions with empathy about understanding and connecting with others. It's about experiencing with someone, not for someone, and about how we care about their position, where, where we suspend our judgment. And like that is, that's the root of being an amazing coach right there. We talked a little bit about compassion versus empathy. We talked about moving up that emotional ladder. And then you shared your amazing three R's about reading others. Oh my gosh. And then how you rearrange the word listen. I've never seen that before. Listen is silent. Genius. That one I'm going to borrow as well. And the three R's with reading others, relate and respond. And how really it's just about fully and deeply listening to them, hearing them and creating that container where they can be vulnerable, where we can do that and build trust with our clients. Because when we can do that in the coaching conversation, the ripple effect is beyond that into their lives, wherever that goes, family, relationships, partners, work, whatever it is. We talked a little bit about maintaining boundaries and so much more. And so we covered a lot about this incredible, I think it's a superpower for transformation in today's world. Donnie, any other parting words you want to share? Um, just two quick ones. I know you love avatars. So I'll just use Mr. Rogers as our avatar for empathy. And what would he do? Because he always went to great extent to treat everyone like a VIP, to really make them feel special and and like they've been heard. And then I have a quote from a leadership professor from about 30 years ago, and it's, it's kind of stuck with me ever since. This was from Dr. Leroy Olson out of Temple University in Philadelphia. And he said, every day represents a new opportunity to enhance the life of another individual. And that includes ourselves also. And I believe that empathy is the foundation of enhancing those relationships. So beautiful. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a gigantic thank you to Donnie for this amazing conversation about empathy. You can find out more about her at coachdonnie.com. That's coachdonnie, D-O-N-I. And you can find that link to the empathy checklist that she has. It's in the show notes. So check out that link there. Donnie, thank you so much for coming to the show. Oh, Melinda, my pleasure. Enjoy being with you. 
I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Making It and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To get future great episodes that are coming up on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.